Hello, Matthew Grant here, and a special release today between our usual Sunday episodes. Now, as you've taken the time to listen to this, I'm sure that you, like myself, and many in the insurance industry, recognize the need and the benefit of encouraging more people to consider a career in insurance that would not necessarily otherwise have thought about that. And if you want to find out what it's actually like for people in their first job to work in insurance and how that may impact all of us, then you're going to learn a lot from this episode. Henry Gale, one of our research analysts and editor of Parametric Post Newsletter, has spoken to four people at the start of their career. You can discover what they think the industry can learn from young people, and the conversation covers topics including diversity and inclusion and the use of technology and social media. So are you curious about where the industry has done well and about what lessons for any of us this has got for insurance from the next generation? If so, this one is for you. You'll hear first from Ainsley Martin, who's now a cyber underwriting assistant at Beasley after making an unlikely career shift. Here's Ainsley telling me how that happened. I'd previously owned a convenience store in Birmingham um, for four years, and then I wanted to move to London. So I was thinking about roles more aligned to finance. Uh, I'd studied accounting finance at university. Um, I then began like, speaking with recruiters, speaking with some of my peer group to see what they were doing. Um, and I reconnected with some people that I went to university um, with. One of them was actually a cyber underwriter, not at Beasley, but <laughs> at another firm. They kind of told me more about insurance, started going for different roles in insurance, landed a role as an insight and strategy research analyst which was a great role um, at Beasley in insight and strategy research. I was able to learn about all the different lines of business and found what I was interested in, which was cyber, um, and went for that role. My next guest, Kinga Vozadruk, is a marketing manager at Markel. She explains how she ended up in insurance after studying something completely different. My role at Markel is a marketing manager for our broker channel, I've been at Markel for four years now. Before that, I was at a very small brokerage for about four months. I didn't know anyone within the industry. I was the first person in my family um, to go to uni. My parents moved to the UK from Poland in 2006. I decided to go to uni and study fashion promotion and imaging, which is very different <laughs> from what I'm doing now. But I specialised within marketing and PR and I felt like fashion wasn't the career that I wanted to take. And I ended up applying for marketing assistant roles once I graduated. And the first role that I got was within a broker intermediary. Um, and it was a marketing assistant role that meant I was doing a little bit of email marketing, but also editing policy wordings and key facts day in, day out. Adam Yassir, my next guest, explained that having people with a range of backgrounds is a strength of the insurance industry. He joined Aon Inpoint two years ago after studying chemical engineering and started by telling me about what he learned from speaking to some graduates recently. Aon actually had an assessment centre um, a few months ago looking at grads and um, I, I came in, I spoke to a few grads and I feel as though a lot of people are unsure what is the step behind entering insurance. So let's say, for example, um, a person wants to become a doctor, they would do a medicine degree. If a person wants to become a lawyer, they will do a law degree. If a person wants to enter insurance, 
there isn't really an insurance type degree. Um, but I suppose that that could be seen as a, a, a as a plus um, in the sense that I, I look at the graduates in my cohort. I did chemical engineering. Another person did chemistry. A few people did economics. Um, there, there, there is a, a wide range of backgrounds that um, and, and degrees that people have done to enter insurance. And obviously, pe- different people get different skills from their degrees. As part of my role, I do need to crunch a lot of numbers. Um, in a consulting role, and it's about uh, finding trends, finding patterns, and being able to advise insurers on that. So I think with chemical engineering being a highly numerate degree, that that was probably a, a big skill that helped me in my current role. My next guest, Arifi Gaith, has worked in different sectors and currently works at software company Quantexa, focusing on the insurance industry. She explains how she moved into insurance. I've been working with insurers for around six years now. Um, I started out my career at a consultancy as an apprentice. And then after a few years, I moved into the insurance team as a business analyst and then as a project manager working on pricing, rating, cybersecurity, data and distribution projects. So then with my knowledge of insurance, um, I was able to move into an account management role. And around six months ago, I moved over to Quantexa as the sales executive for UK insurance. How did you get into insurance? After, well, <laughs> tell me what you did before insurance. <laughs> so, well, bef- before insurance, I, I worked um, on government projects. I worked on manufacturing projects. And then before that, I was at school as a, as a, you know, as a college student working in different sectors. Um, I learned about how different kinds of business operated. So I was able to cross pollinate ideas. But actually, you know, before that, I came from a background with, you know, my family, none of them work in finance. Um, you know, it's a working class background that I've got. You know, I didn't study STEM. Um, at school, you know, I did study STEM at school, but not at A level. Um, so not at the higher levels. And so I feel that I came in to insurance with a true outsider's perspective. And so with that, you know, I, I think that I like to question the status quo quite a lot. How much did you know about insurance? Not much, not much at all. I mean, I knew how to use a price comparison website to get car insurance and, and that's about it. <laughs> So what what has been your experience actually on that with buying insurance for yourself and have you had any claims experiences as well? <laughs> so I have had a, a claims experience. I won't call out anyone in, in particular. I mean, it's been two months and I'm still waiting uh, to hear back on a travel claim that I've made. But I guess one of the good experiences that I've had is um, actually with um, many pets. So I think they see themselves more of a tech company that sells insurance. Um, so I bought some uh pet insurance for my my little dog and um it was it was great it was so quick so easy and it's exactly what i would expect from an insurance company when buying insurance ainsley also described his experience buying insurance when he was running his convenience store we wanted simple quick and not complicated and and cheap obviously as a growing business you always were trying to look for the best rates now i'm in insurance i probably didn't really understand what we was buying completely. We knew we was insured, but I guess now I'm in insurance, I know, okay, there's probably a few more things that we would have been need. Insurance is a very big enabler um, for businesses. And I think personally, some of the risks that I was a bit more worried about, I could have insured myself against to help grow. 
faster or stronger um, as a business owner. Um, and those are lessons that I think insurance companies can teach smaller businesses and entrepreneurs as well. None of my guests knew a lot about insurance before they started their roles in insurance. And a common theme was that insurance is not well enough understood outside the industry. This results in business owners like Ainsley not getting all the cover they might need, but it also means the industry struggles to attract a diverse range of talented people. Here's what Kinga had to say about how that could change. There's a lot more that can be done. There's some great things that are happening within the industry. But I think going back to and thinking about how uh, what my preconceptions were and what my knowledge was of the industry. When I was at school and we had career fairs, there wasn't an insurer present or, you know, there wasn't somebody who could talk to that being an opportunity. So I think we need to be much more visible at a much earlier stage. There's career fairs, which are a great opportunity for, for companies to get involved and get access to the younger generation. But I think we're all advocates of the industry with our friends, with our family, with our, you know, um, with our own children in some case. And I think we need to, we need to be the ones also driving the right people to come into the industry. The other thing is also social media. You know, the younger generation loves TikTok, Instagram, and I think the insurance industry isn't as visible on those platforms. So maybe, you know, driving visibility via social media and utilizing that as a channel of reaching people that we maybe wouldn't normally reach. As well as social media, what is reported in the news media also influences the public perception of insurance. Arifi highlights here something holding insurance back. I talk to my parents about what I do and I'm really their only exposure to insurance. But my mum sent me um, the BBC News report on one of the, you know, the bad behaviours in one of the syndicates um, a few months ago. And I, my heart sank because I thought to myself, if it wasn't for me, she wouldn't know really any other behaviours or she wouldn't really know much else about the insurance industry, just that, you know, there are these, these scandals or, you know, there has been a scandal. And as a parent, um, if you if that's the only exposure to the insurance industry you see, um, you are not going to actively say to your, your son or your daughter, go and work in insurance because you will think maybe they'll learn bad behaviours or maybe they will be, um, you know, they'll be discriminated against. We need to be stamping out these these bad behaviours to start with to, you know, so that we don't have these scandals around insurance to build trust. If we take, for example, um, Beasley, Chaucer and Gaia with the IVF product that they've just released that's amazing look at how we are really actively helping people's lives now i didn't see any of that in the news and you know it's only really until we stamp out um those bad behaviors nip them in the bud make sure that our industry isn't being surrounded with you know bad press um that actually the good will shine through and you know when that does shine through so we'll you know we'll be able to build trust and with that comes more talent. Gaia's insurance for IVF treatment is one example of product innovation in insurance bringing positive change. Ainsley also spoke about how innovation in the industry makes it more attractive for the next generation. There is definitely more opportunities for letting people understand that this industry isn't just a boring industry. There is way more on offer. You can be an entrepreneur like myself. You can be interested in technology and I think people need to 
in the insurance industry need to expose those opportunities to the younger generation to understand. If all of us spoke about those opportunities, I'm sure people would be like a bit more encouraged to join. I've personally spoken with more people. Recently, someone joined Beasley because I spoke about how, how much I'm enjoying my job. <laughs> all of us can be advocates for the insurance industry. Adam explained to me how networking with future colleagues at Aon was what attracted him first to his career in insurance. Aon themselves were pretty good at promoting the insurance industry, so they had an event um, for final year uh, university students. It was called the Aon Future Leaders event. Um, so it was a two-day event uh, held in the Aon offices, an insight into insurance, an insight into Aon, um, and um, more importantly, it let, it let me network with um, existing Aon colleagues. I have to admit that prior to um, prior to about second year university, I, I, I had close to little to no knowledge um, of insurance. Um, the event was promoted on a website called Bright Network. Um, which is quite often used by university students. Um, it popped up. I applied for it. So w- what can we learn from, from that type of event and from your journey into insurance about how the insurance industry can attract the best talent and also a diverse range of talent as well from people who might not have thought about insurance as their career? Especially when you are looking at early careers and graduates, um, I, I think the main problem is putting yourself out there. Um, I feel as though a lot of people, including myself, have or had little to no insurance knowledge and that Future Leaders event was an, was an excellent way of providing people with that base knowledge so that they are more knowledgeable about the industry and they can make a judgment as to whether or not they actually want to enter the industry. So I think when you are looking at a graduate level, at a post-university level, um, I think Insurance companies could definitely do a better job at putting themselves out there. Those principles don't just apply to university graduates. Rifi discussed how insurers can reach people who don't go to university as well. We've got some insurers who are providing uh, apprenticeships. You know, you've got a GS, for example, Willis Towers Watson, Lloyd's have got their own um, apprenticeships as well. But I think we can do better. Um, and I would like to see more young people come into the industry that way. And how we do that is actually insurers need to actively be going into schools from all postcodes to make sure that they reach people from all types of backgrounds and talking about all the cool stuff that we do and the interesting things that we insure. But also, I think insurers need to be breaking down the barriers to entry a little bit further. So how are we hiring young people into roles? Are we looking at their attitudes? Are we looking at their willingness to learn? Or are we actually falling at the first hurdle and maybe scaring away good talent that maybe haven't got the best grades? You know, by demanding three A's, for example. You know, for reference, I didn't get that or even close. (laughs) And I think that especially given the impact of COVID, on schooling in the past few years, I think we will see some more inequalities down the line if we are demanding grades rather than looking at the person as a whole. It's also important that those who are new in their insurance careers feel supported after they start. As well as her role at Markel, Kinga sits on the committee of Engine, the next generation insurance network. I asked her what that involves. So I'm an event officer at Engine, which is the next generation insurance network. Um, and we are one of the inclusion at Lloyd's partner networks. 
Inclusion at Lloyd's is a governing body that is all about driving diversity and inclusion, ensuring that, you know, we're doing all of the right things and we're promoting the best practice within the sector. Engine itself is a members for members organization. All of us that form part of Engine have a role, um, every day sort of jobs and we do it on the side of the desk. We do it in the evenings and our goal is to empower the next generation to shape the world that they live in to get the opportunities, the networking opportunities and the career opportunities and promote the industry to the next generation of people are coming in. So how do you do that? So we do a lot of uh, events. We do, you know, that's kind of one of the main things that we do, whether that's educational events or social events. We work with a lot of insurers and brokers. And like I said, we work with Lloyds. We get involved with a dive-in festival we're all about ensuring that as people come in into the industry, they get the opportunity to meet people, to network, to get experiences and get access into more senior members within the industry that they maybe wouldn't get access to if they wouldn't be involved with Engine or coming to our events. Can you give an example, Kinga, of, of an event or a program that Engine runs that is you know, really supporting people who are new in their careers in insurance? Yes, so at Engine we run mentoring opportunities and that allows people to to apply to to be a mentee and to get access into, like I said, more senior people within the industry. We do a lot of speed dating style mentoring, so it means that you get access into to more than one person at the same time as well. Do you see that the industry is becoming more diverse in, in your work with Engine? Is it is it moving fast enough? I think we do see good examples working. Obviously, as part of my work with Engine, we're exposed to different insurers, different brokerages. Um, everyone seems to be driving the agenda. Diving Festival is an amazing example of the commitment that the industry is making um, to create that visibility. And Lloyd's and inclusion at Lloyd's is, is like I said, it, it's trying to promote the right behaviours. Whether it's moving fast enough is a different question. I think... You know, there's always more that we could be doing to ensure that we're getting the right talent and we're reaching a much more diverse group of people. We don't just want to focus on gender and race and people from disadvantaged backgrounds or people who maybe haven't gone to uni and that being a really good route into the industry. Because there's a lot that we do with that, you know, you do school leaver programs, grad programs. We're trying to get um, people with different experiences of education but there's also a group of people who maybe aren't able-bodied and the city itself and the way that offices and stuff like that is set up maybe isn't isn't designed yet for people. Maybe mm. that's something that we need to be driving as well. How do we make the city accessible for people? Kinga mentioned there the Dive-In Festival, which is a festival promoting diversity and inclusion in insurance and originally launched by Inclusion at Lloyd's. And how can listeners to the podcast get involved with Engine or support Engine? So we're always looking for new members. Uh, anyone listening to the podcast can register as a member on the Engine website. You can also follow us on LinkedIn and Instagram where we post blogs um, on all of our upcoming events. We're going to have a lot more physical events in the pipeline within the next sort of 12 months. We're all kind of getting to the back in person we're also going to be doing a lot of coffee mornings and there's a lot more events. I can mention mentoring. We want to get back into mentoring as well. So register as a member, follow us on our socials and 
come along and see what engine is all about. Yeah, and I think some people might be wondering, you know, do I qualify as a member? What what makes a member qualify? Do they have to be, you know, very new, very young? <laughs> no, not at all. It is not just about age. When we say next generation, we would encourage anybody um, who is maybe new to the industry or wants to learn more about the industry um, to, to get involved. There's no sort of qualification or age criteria that you have to meet. Anyone who sees themselves as, um, you know, as next generation, the next leader, the next person who's going to influence the industry that we work with can can sign up as a member. Great. And, and is there a way for people who have had long insurance industry careers to support Engine in what they do as well? Yes, we're always looking for speakers uh, to come and get involved with any events. Um, so if anybody would like to get involved and support us and, and attend an event, maybe speak about their experience, get involved as a mentor, to the to the younger generation or the next generation get in touch and, and let us know as we we'd love to next you'll hear from ainsley about some other networks and initiatives that are supporting diversity and inclusion in the industry when i first joined beasley i was encouraged to join like the, the networks so i joined like young professionals network within beasley i then went external to beasley and looked at the different um, networks so the diversity ones, next generation insurance network, um, ICANN, ACIN, those are like networks I've been able to join and participate in socially, um, as well as in being exposed to more people within the market to help me build my um, career. I've just completed a program called um, Digital Minds, which is run by Eddie. Um, which was a program to help build diversity and inclusion within the market and it was a 12 month program and that was I think it was really good because it brought me outside of my day-to-day working environment working across organizations so people from Markel and other insurers, other consultancy firms within the insurance network, and that was really, like, it was exciting because you get to just hear new thoughts and new minds and hear what's going on in other insurance in organisations. And it was, the, the good thing about the Digital Minds programme was it was, like, multi-level, so multi-skilled people. There were people that was quite well experienced and people that were new to the industry. So you can communicate amongst various levels of people and see how their experiences and share your own experience as well. Um, I think I think that covers like the Digital Minds program quite well. Um, and I would definitely would encourage people to join pro- like initiatives like that if they get a chance, um, especially to bring you, bring you outside of your working circle. And you mentioned, I think, ICANN and ACIN. For the listeners who don't know what, what those acronyms are, can you spell them out for us and, and let us know what they do? So the African Caribbean Insurance Network um, are a network building on helping bring in the diversity from, as it says, African Caribbean um, heritage people into the insurance network. 
I've known about them since before I joined um, the insurance industry. I'd spoken with the founders, Junior Garber and um, Godwin Sosi, and they t- told me about what they thought of underwriting. Um, they're both underwriters, and I was like, that, that interested me. I think it was good to see um, people that looked like me to be able to speak to and go, okay, like I can see this is something that I, I can get into what is helping the insurance industry now as well. It's like more people from a diverse background are coming in. I am proof that it is working in that sense that there is more diverse um, community coming in. And I can... That's the Insurance Cultural Awareness Network. That's another good organisation with a, a very big um, community which has like, hosts various um, cultural events to help like keep... Well, I think it's just to help socialise ethnic minorities within insurance network. As well as industry networks, Adam highlights the importance of employers promoting diversity, equity and inclusion, also known as DE&I, within their own organisation. Attracting talent is one thing, but retaining talent is a, is a completely another another thing. So Aeon are pretty good um, with um, DE&I um, within the company. So um, there's, a, there's a few different um, initiatives and programmes within the company that um, people can go to. So on a, on a higher level, um, on as, as in Aeon as a whole, like Endpoint plus other business units, um, you have something called uh, BRGs. BRGs, that's business resource groups. Internal to one company, a business resource group is a network that helps employees of different communities share their perspectives and learn from each other. Next, you'll hear Adam describe a couple of the BRGs he's come across at Aon. So, for example, the multi-ethnic group, parents and carers group, pride group, I think that was one of them. Uh, but essentially, it's, a, it's where people can go if you want any sort of information, if you want to talk to anyone about um, select topics that in itself is a is a good initiative to have with it, within a company. Now, as well as that, uh, within Aon Endpoint, uh, we have the we have a DE and I team. Um, so every month, every couple of months, they'll they'll hold a call about um, a, a topic. So, for example, um, International Men's Day and International Women's Day. There was calls for both of those, and yeah, it's it's just about informing colleagues about a variety of different topics um, and promoting honest, open conversation. As well as that, they have a uh, monthly newsletter. So in the previous uh, newsletter, they were talking about how uh, Lent has started, uh, how Ramadan has started. Yeah, so it's, it's just about providing um, that, that information, really. Okay, so information and communication and starting conversations around topics that you might not normally think about in the workplace. Great. And is there anything you think is, is holding back diversity and inclusion in, in insurance more widely? I think it's just about companies being brave enough to, to take that first step. It's little, little things such as promoting awareness and, yeah, just having little newsletters or um, or just someone who you can talk to, I, I, I suppose. Um, so, yeah, just about taking that first step and promoting um, that, that, that inclusive culture within a company. Next up, you'll hear the panel's perspectives on technology. 
As internet natives, like all my guests, enter the insurance industry, what new ideas can they bring? Let's start with Arifi. I am on the cusp of being a millennial and a Gen Z. Um, I'd like to think I'm more Gen Z, stay young. Um, and so I think I have different opinions about how I like to buy and use products, um, the levels of service that I would want to see from insurers. Um, I have opinions on the transparency around what it is that I'm buying, how people are using data, um, and the way that I also would like to see organisations um, interact with their consumers. And have you got any specific examples of those views that you might want to share with our listeners? I think, you know, as a young person, and I think some people sometimes see it as a negative, you know, when you ask a question, when you want something, um, you know, you do expect answers straight away. I mean, I, I was, I grew up and Google was always pretty much there. Um, so I think having that, um, that same interaction with insurers, if I ask a question, I, you know, expect answers almost straight away you know I expect you to know who I am expect you to have all of that data on me um to hand and be able to talk to me as if you know me and so I think you know part of my job now is actually making sure insurers do have that. So insurers who are taking that into account what are they doing differently in terms of how they are treating data or how they're making technological user experiences? We interact a lot with technology. We interact with the brands that we buy from. And so insurers that have an understanding of, um, you know, how I'm interacting with them, my buying behaviors, that, that, you know, what do they know about me? Well, I have a dog, you know, I've got my own flat, all that kind of stuff. You know, what do they know and how are they going to use that to improve and, and come to me almost proactively and say, you know, Arifi, we know that you've got a little sausage dog, so here's your pet insurance. This is exactly what you need for that breed of dog, for example. Um, and I think that actually being able to utilise all of that data and give that really hyper-personalised experience is really important for insurers now these days. Yeah, and another thing that's related that we've talked about is social media and <laughs> to what extent, uh, I don't know, the, the use of social media by younger generations the insurance industry should be taking that into account in some way, perhaps in their marketing. What do you think? Yeah, so this might be sort of controversial. And I know that influencers can sometimes be seen as slightly annoying. But I think actually we shouldn't ignore the power of influencers. They're called influencers for a reason. And that's because they have massive impacts on buying behavior. And it has stretched beyond things like fast fashion. You know, they're now talking about things like financial products, crypto. And now I wouldn't recommend taking all of your financial advice from somewhere like TikTok. But as an example, I wanted to get a new credit card. So I used all of the usual money saving tips. I went on Google. I looked at the, the credit card providers websites. But I did also search on TikTok. And that gave me a real life consumer feedback um, perspective and that did, you know, ultimately help me choose what it was that I wanted to, to, you know, which product to buy. And actually, if as an insurer you go on, to, if you go onto TikTok right now and you type in best insurance for young drivers or how can I make my insurance cheaper, you will find hundreds of videos of people giving advice and people in the comments talking about what insurers to use which insurers to avoid, you know, how much to expect to pay for a premium at a particular age, who has good customer service. 
these videos, these influencers, these people talking about insurance, they will impact an insurer's customer base. And so insurers do need to consider how they are using social media. According to Adam, insurers are behind on their use of social media already and can learn from other industries. I'm in the insurance industry and I, and I have very little exposure to insurance companies on all of my social media platforms. So if I, if me in the insurance industry is having such little exposure, how much exposure is a person who isn't in the in- industry going to get? Um, and I would assume close to nothing. Um, I, I, I definitely don't think that insurance companies are brilliant in marketing themselves on social media um, the way that other industries are. You look at the food and beverage industry, um, a lot of major uh, com- companies are very active on t- Twitter or Facebook, whether that's uh, promoting information, promoting their company, or even just, just, just playing comedy on, on, on social media. Kinga also highlighted changing custom expectations and social media as areas where insurers have to adapt to new technology. Our own personal purchasing habits are changing. We've seen the rise of Amazon. Everybody wants things quicker. You can get, you know, same-day delivery on stuff now. And it's like, how do we adapt as an industry to meet those ever-changing needs of the customers that we're serving? Because if we, if these purchasing habits are affecting us in our personal lives, they are going to blend into our professional lives. If you want to be able to buy your car insurance in four steps on a form, you don't want to be filling in a 28, you know, 28, 29 page proposal form for your client. Um, so we need to, we need to look at the ways that we, in which we can adapt maybe some of the purchasing. Um, and we see that already with, you know, the rise of e-trade, AI and so on and so on. And the other thing is social media. Again, as mentioned that before is how do we become visible? Social media is something that maybe insurers and the insurance industry don't don't utilize it more. But it, it's kind of becoming one of those things where if you don't evolve and you don't adapt and you're not visible on it, you're kind of left behind a little bit. And I think there's a risk as an industry that if we don't adapt to technology, if we don't start utilizing some of these things and we don't start implementing changes Somebody else is going to do it. There's going to be a structure that comes in and forces the change and everyone else is just going to have to follow behind. Is there a particular example of innovation in the insurance industry that has caught your eye recently, perhaps? It ha- yes, actually. I went to a really good talk about uh, the use of sensors. And this is something that is already kind of being implemented, um, again, in personal lines. So in car insurance, you use black box technology to um with younger drivers especially i had a black box when i when i first had my car um and it obviously allows you to collect data and you know adjust premiums based on the behaviors of the driver and there's a lot that can be applied from that into the commercial lines market especially in property but also marine there's so much Data technologies now and a sense of census technology can pass so much data on to insurers that can then help influence underwriting decisions. Because if you're a marine insurer and you have a GPS on every sort of, you know, ship and you're able to know where it is, what's happening with it, that minimizes the risk. And a really good example um, that I heard at this talk of this technology being implemented is with transportation of vaccines. So Ensuring the transportations of vaccines was really expensive. 
to especially to third world countries because of the temperature changes and the vaccinations having to be kept at obviously an optimal temperature. And one company used uh, the sensors to check what the temperature is, which meant that one, they could mitigate the risk and they, they could adjust their pricing. But it also meant that when the shipment arrived, people knew if the vaccines were spoiled and they, you know, they wouldn't be given them out to people, which I thought was an amazing use of technology. Parcel is the company Kinga's referring to there. It ensures vaccine supply chains using temperature sensors. And finally, I asked all my guests what they tell their friends and family about their job and the industry they work in. I suppose because um, I, I work in consulting and insurance, I feel as a lot of people do have a, a bit of a base knowledge of what consulting is. So I just add in that insurance aspect. They'll usually get it. I've really got a mixed response. Everything from I have absolutely no idea what your job is to, oh, yeah, I, I worked in that industry for 10 years. Um, and yeah, everything in between. Um, I, I, I don't necessarily think that people have uh, too much of a negative perception of insurance. I feel as though the only people who, who, who do are those people who might have had a um, negative personal experience, like had a claim rejected or, 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 or something like that. But I, I think people are generally very open to listening about listening to what is insurance, what is insurance consulting, and what what is the insurance industry. What do I tell them? Well, I remember when I told my mum I was moving from inside strategy research to underwriting, and she goes, "Okay, that sounds good." And I said, "Yeah, yeah." It's in cyber. She goes, oh, yeah, that sounds good. I said, yeah, it's really interesting, mum. Um, like big organizations like the one that she used to work for, they're getting insurance um, for cyber. And she's like, oh, so then I told her more about the different types of insurance and what is being covered, um, from a cyber perspective. Um, and that led into more of a conversation about where where she could see insurance being a bit more reactive within the organisation that she used to work for. Um, and now when I'm speaking to other people, friends and family and we speak about ins- like things like insurance, for them to understand that insurance is very pivotal in how well these businesses are doing or how well they can survive, should I say. Um, because without insurance, I feel like they wouldn't, without insurance, lots of businesses wouldn't survive and people don't quite understand that. So when they start to speak to me and start to learn a bit more about the risks that are being covered, they, I think their eyes are a bit more open to it. I try to advocate for the industry in, in my immediate circle. I think it's hard to explain the day-to-day ongoings of the industry, you know, so many different roles and processes and how do you explain to someone what an underwriting process looks like? I also work in marketing, so I feel like I also additionally have to educate people on the perception of, you know, I do not sit there and make things look pretty all day. I do not sit there on Instagram all day. Um, and there's a lot of strategic thinking that goes goes on within the industry, within my role, um, and a lot of sort of deep understanding of what is it we're trying to achieve as a business? What do our brokers need? What do the policyholders require? The different industries and the different sectors that we operate in. Um, 
I think my family think I can just kind of, you know, help them out with buying their insurance policy and tell them if they've got the right cover and the right limits set in place. But yeah, I try and tell them that every day is different. And I think that's the best part about working in insurance. It is such a varied industry and no day is the same. Um, and I feel, I feel like that's the best, the best thing to say to people. It is so varied. You need to get involved. You need to get on board and see what it's like. I tell them about our industry. Um, it's quite hard to explain what we do, <laughs> especially when people are sort of just used to going on, go compare or, um, you know, compare the market and buying their insurance and actually being able to talk about how we've got these big rating engines that, you know, put these uh, machine learning algorithms through and, you know, spit out a price. But um, I've brought a few people into the insurance industry um, from, you know, outside. And I, I think it's really important that we do continue to, to actively encourage friends and family to come and join our industry. And when they join our industry, make sure that they are supported as well. And I think it's important because, you know, people who work in other industries that might be telco, it might be retail, uh, government, they all have different ideas. They have different ways of working. They have different experiences that they're able to bring in and cross pollinate into insurance. You know, it, it drives innovation. It drives change. And I think it also drives cultural shift as well. Well, thanks to Henry for that and his guest and look out more from the rest of our team and what we're up to on the website, www.instech.co. Now, if you're at an early stage in your career, or maybe you're still considering what job options to explore, then contact any of us, hello at instech.co to find out how we might be able to help you. And if you are already working, it's quite possible your company is already one of our 170 corporate members. And so you can come along to our monthly evening events for free and get access to our reports and quite a lot more.